Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Let's be honest. The first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simon's on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm-hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away, because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing fast-tracking your kids to financial success. You know, Joel, since this is a kid's episode, does that mean we should be having an N.A. beer, a non-alcoholic beverage instead of our typical craft beer? Right, maybe we could go or, on Sesame Street and have like Cookie Monster <laughs> deliver the message. <laughs> or at least a butterbeer. Uh, That's true. <laughs> which, they, they never address this in the Harry Potter books, but it does seem like that there's a small trace amount of alcohol in butterbeer. Because like <laughs> the uh, Dobby, whatever, would get drunk on butterbeer. <laughs> so I guess it just didn't affect the kids as much. Yeah, maybe it only <laughs> affected house elves. It's just, yeah, our, our kids were talking about it the other day. They're like, well, we can have butterbeer, but we can't have fire whiskey. And then Kate and I were talking, we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Technically, it's not addressed, but I do think there's small amounts of alcohol in butterbeer. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking specifically about kids and how it is that you can give your kids just a massive leg up. Um, I feel oftentimes when we're in young adulthood, we say to ourselves, if only I had known this sure. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, if, if only I had been able to start my life with this knowledge that I have now, I would have made some different decisions. Mm-hmm. And so basically, that is what we're talking about today, the difference different lessons that you can begin teaching your kids 
who are still at home, but then also specifically some of the accounts and some of the specific strategies that you can employ with your kids in order to get them investing for their future. Yeah, we hear that from How to Money listeners a lot. They're like, man, I wish I had this information when I was a lot younger. Some of, some of who are stumbling upon this podcast, late 30s, early 40s, or even later in their life. And they're like, man, this has been transformational. But if I had known this stuff, when I was early 20s, I would be crushing it now, which is true. Like the, the earlier you started. It would be even started. more transformative. I would be a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> Already. <laughs> Instead of in the pupa state. Right. There's a lot of kid stuff that is coming to mind right now. We're not going to incorpor- incorporate more into the You, you might even sing the Reading Rainbow soundtrack. M- mitochondria. Do you remember mitochondria? It's the powerhouse of the cell, Joel. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> like some schoolhouse rocks. I mean, there's so many options here. Lots of different things we learned in school. But before we get rolling, man, I want to mention something. We've been emailing a little bit with a listener who actually happens to be Ukrainian. He and he's also living in Ukraine. And uh, he was asking about maybe some, some sort of financial goals that he had. And he kind of casually mentions how his savings and financial goals have been on pause for yeah. the past eight months. And, oh, yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> maybe because Russia has completely invaded his country. But I don't know. He, simultaneously, he didn't put that out there just for us to like feel bad for him necessarily. He was just matter-of-factly stating that, like, yeah, you know, I haven't been able to pursue my goals like I have been, but I'm really excited for things to get back going again. I mean, I wanted to share that just because when you hear something like that, it just gives you just some incredible perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Some of the problems that we have in our lives that seem to loom so large in our minds, some, you know, causing us stress, in reality, they're not all that big. And especially if you're a listener and you live here in the, in the U.S., I think, I mean, I've, I feel that I've got a lot to be thankful for yeah. within my own life, not only for you know me and you and the business and our families, but just also for our country, even though we're all aware of what's been going on over in Ukraine. When you kind of have a, I guess, just like a personal, somewhat of a personal connection, it brings it to life sure. a whole lot more. You're right, man. That does. like, And it just makes me think, like, not that our country doesn't have problems that need to be worked on, that need to be discussed. But, man, we're really lucky to live here. There's so many good things about living in the United States. Yeah. And it does. my heart goes out to our listener in Ukraine. I hope that his country is able to restore their, their freedom, their independence in the near future, and that he's able to get his you know goals of financial independence restarted uh, soon, too. Totally. So, and our heart goes out to everybody in Ukraine. Like, your cause still matters over here, and it's, it's still something worth thinking about and talking about but but matt let's move on matt let's let's mention the beer that we're having on this episode this is uh, prostmeister oktoberfest it's by odd story it's uh, which is a, a brewery actually out of chattanooga i picked this beer up when i was there uh, just a couple weekends ago did you th- yeah so you actually were at this brewery no just okay. at the local beer store there which gotcha. which is honestly it's imbibe i think it's what it's called in in chattanooga fantastic beer store killer place yeah great selection so next time you're in chattanooga one i'll recommend you some hikes if you email me very nice but i'll also recommend that you go to imbibe and pick up some beers there so uh all right matt let's pick let's get on to the subject at hand we're talking about fast tracking your kids to financial success and uh for some reason as we were fast tracking right i started me made me think about racing and i'm not a huge racing fan but americans have kind of you're always challenging me to foot races (laughs) like Just take it easy, dude. We're just going for a walk. (laughs) I prefer arm wrestling, but, you know, foot races are fun, too. But Formula One has kind of come back in vogue with the success of Netflix's Drive to Survive show. Is that still a a thing? I think it's still happening. Yeah. And and it's honestly, it's a really really interesting show. I never was into Formula One, and I still don't really like watch races or anything like that. But the show, I watched some of that show, at least, and it was super interesting. But the, the interesting thing, Matt, about being a Formula One driver is is that the, the driver with the fastest lap time in trials the day before the race, they get the what's known as the pole position, right? They get the top spot in the is race. That, is that 
right there at the finish line that's or right. the that's starting right. line. Right at the front. At that, starting at point. Also becomes the finish line at some point yeah. later on the race. And uh, <laughs> But the pole position... We, we know so much about racing. <laughs> <laughs> the pole position, though, it, it's crucial. It's this crucial advantage to being able to win the race because uh, the, the stats show that if you start first, uh, the person first out of the gate, they win more than 42% of the time. Mm-hmm. So there's 16 makes, cars. Makes a lot of sense. But if you're in first place to begin with, the chances are, uh, overwhelmingly, you have a much higher chance of success. Yeah. Where you start matters. Yeah, right? you don't have to pass anybody. You just, I guess you're just out there just driving really fast. You just got to <laughs> stay in front of people, right? That's all you got to do. Not I mean, having to worry about hitting tires with the other guys. Or right. Whatever. That's the thing with Formula One is that they got those exposed tires. And I'm always like, how do they not just like just launch, just jump onto each other? That's what makes it crazy. Yeah. I mean, the, it's not like NASCAR where you can kind of like push into each other and bump each other and it's stuff like that. It's a game of inches, really. It's it's pretty nuts. But I Millimeters, mean, Joel. <laughs> millimeters. <laughs> but where you're starting, right, impacts impacts how you finish in a significant way in Formula One. But the, the truth is, it's the same exact exact thing with money. And it doesn't mean that, like, inheriting a trust fund, that's not what we're talking about here. But if you're a parent, you greatly influence whether your kids start out in the personal finance pole position. We'll talk about uh, passing on knowledge in this episode, but we're also going to talk about the mechanics and the accounts that can give your kid a leg up, which most of us, if we're honest, didn't have. Like We didn't learn about this stuff in school, and in all likelihood, your parents didn't teach you about personal finance, so you kind of maybe started off behind the eight ball. Well, how can you change that for the next generation? That's uh, the topic of today's That's episode. right, yeah. Well, yeah, what you know at the start has a remarkable impact on where you are going to end up at the finish. It's going to have a remarkable impact on the quality quality of life that you're going to be able to lead. And we think that there is a massive advantage gained in life. When you've got these basic financial literacy principles being taught to to kids consistently as they are growing up. And it doesn't have to be uber fancy or sophisticated, right? Like, honestly, it's pretty simple and straightforward stuff, but it's incredibly foundational as kids begin to develop their own ideas of how it is the world works. But let's say that you've got teenagers now. Uh, Maybe your kid wasn't necessarily hustling at age six, selling (laughs) lemonade out in the neighborhood. Let's say they didn't develop an award-winning app at the age of eight. Ooh, that. Are there kids who do that? Oh, yeah. Okay. I read about those kids sometimes. Like, who are they? That's incredible. Either I'm not sure if their parents are amazing. I mean, it's probably both and, right? The parents and the kids are pretty incredible. Nerds. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Go outside and play instead, losers. (laughs) Uh, But even if you have a kid that's older, the truth is you still have time to get them pointed in the right direction. Like, honestly, you still have influence even if you have a grown adult who's out of the house who is, you know, they're still your kid, though. Uh, And we actually talked about this uh, with our friend Bobby Rebel back in, uh, I think it was episode 511. It's not too late. So that's right. We're going to discuss how to set your kids up for a successful financial future in detail during this episode. Yeah. And most folks, like I said, they learn in their 30s or 40s and then they get started and they're like, man, I wish I'd known that stuff earlier instead of really just learning from my bad beats from the mistakes I made and then having to kind of figure it out from there. It just seems like a lot of people, and, and not only are you kind of learning along the way from the mistakes you've made, but those mistakes actually make it harder to make progress, right? Because let's say one of those mistakes is taking on too much student loan debt or one of those mistakes is getting into credit card debt up to your eyeballs and then realizing, wait a second, wait a second, that's not the route I should be taking. It just makes it that much harder to get to the place where you want to be. And so, yeah, the earlier kids start learning about money, the more time they have to implement that knowledge, the more they can avoid having to learn from mistakes, the more they can just learn on the front end. And then that gives them also time to uh, to enjoy compounding returns, right? Which is something we talk about a lot on the show, how your money working for you is huge. It makes a massive impact oh, yeah. on your ability to build wealth. 
time allows them to have more exposure to the market and it allows their money to kind of start doing the heavy lifting uh, on their behalf much sooner. And that, that means that they don't have to do as much heavy lifting as most of us did in order to get our financial uh, financials on the right path. The, the earlier they get started, it actually means they can be a little more relaxed as they, as they get up with their money. And that's not the norm. That's pretty cool that you can actually help your kid um, set them up for, for that sort of success. But it's definitely not what most people experience with their personal finances. Yeah. Yeah. So th- this is why this is such an important thing, because your kids have time on their side. And, you know, Joel, you're talking about compounding returns. Like not, not only do we see this eighth wonder of the world at play with our, you know, with our kids' actual dollars, but we also get to see the compounding effects of their behavior as well. You know, it's, it's just like the virtuous cycle of how our money ends up making money for us. Healthy habits build upon other healthy habits. I think helping your kids establish these tried and true money practices are going to serve them for years to come. Uh, You can help them to create this base layer of solid habits that they can use to propel their progress even more as they get older. It's just kind of like, just again, imagine that snowball and every single time it revolves around it. Like the first time it revolved, it picked up a little bit of snow, but then the next time it does an entire rotation, it's picked up even more and it continues onward. Yeah. And it's all those, uh, like we're always teaching our kids these other habits, healthy habits, right? As they're growing up. Brushing your teeth. Yeah. And like (laughs) being respectful to your friend's parents, that kind of stuff. Take care of your body. Yeah. I mean, I remember having sir and ma'am beat into me as a kid. Like (laughs) I had to respond to my parents that way, but that's the kind of thing that like we're always teaching our kids to do stuff like that. But for some reason, money habits get left out of the mix for the most part. So most kids, they know how to be polite. They know how to be kind. They know how to take care of their bodies and how to brush their teeth, stuff like that. But they don't know how to take care of their money. And that's a problem. But the reality is that kids are malleable. That's another important fact that we have to talk about because they just soak up information Mm -hmm. so dang well, they're ripe to be taught some of these things. And so if we miss out on the opportunity to teach them when they're young, it only becomes difficult the older they get. Yeah, the prefrontal cortexes are still being developed. And so there's a lot more elasticity going on That's right. up in, in those brains. Exa- interestingly enough, there's some recent research that shows that all of our brains actually have more plasticity than scientists previously thought. I think it just came out. Speak for yourself. <laughs> your, your brain is done developing. <laughs> Set in my ways, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought this was kind of cool that there's some of this research found that people still in their 60s and 70s, there's more plasticity in their brain than they previously thought. They have more ability to adapt and learn than was previously assumed. But of course, kids still have far more ability to change yeah. and adapt. So it's it's much easier to teach them money early on based on their physiological makeup. They're just going to be more susceptible to having these ideas get embedded deeply in there. They're going to stick around and then they're going to have an impact for years and decades to come teaching the next generation something as important, something that we use on a daily basis, something as necessary as personal finance, doing it regularly and starting at a young age is just is, is massively important. Yeah. Uh, something else worth mentioning is, I mean, I think that kids actually can help set you up for financial success. You know, the reason we're talking about setting your kids up for financial success is yeah, for their own well-being. We're, like we're doing it for the kids themselves. But obviously, you know, when, when the stakes get raised like this, it does like you could see a a benefit to you personally, but it could come full full circle as well, because even though you may have been able to plan as well as you thought you could, you never know what kind of curveballs life might throw you. And down the road, maybe when you're in your golden years, hopefully your kids are in a great position to where they might be able to welcome you into their home uh, when you are in your later years. Yeah, for sure. And so hopefully you're planning well for your financial future, but your kids who are financially savvy can help you when you become old and infirm, Matt, which I 
look forward to those days personally. But uh, <laughs> you're doing it for them, for you. Yeah. No, I, I don't know if I told you this. Emily and I re- recently took a marriage test, and one of the questions, the, there was one question on there that made me smile, and it said, "Are you looking forward to growing old with your wife?" And I was like, "Heck yes, I am." Like, I don't know. I'm like kind of looking forward to old age. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I'm definitely still looking forward to like next month so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as well. I mean, I don't want to come to come too fast. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna still gonna be good. <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully, my kids are financially savvy and they are able to yeah uh, support us not not necessarily financially, but to, to be there for us and to be on solid footing themselves. But let's talk about how we get our kids to that point, Matt. Let's talk about the most important factors that help fast track kids to financial success that we can instill in them as parents. Now we'll get to our thoughts on that right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money joel so we were just recounting our trip to scotland this is the trip that we took this time last year actually with some of our friends over the weekend and one of the highlights from edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop. Mm-hmm. They were fresh out of the oven. They had that perfectly flaky crust. But guess what? That serendipitous experience would never have happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel. We had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town, thanks to Airbnb. Ah, oh, man. I'm still dreaming about those meat pies. You're making, my, <laughs> you're making me drool. And while turning to Airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel, it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money. Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the Money app 
Monarch. They make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we are back from the break. And again, we're talking about fast-tracking your kids to financial success. And, you know, Joel, we'll, like, we'll talk about some of the specific accounts that you can set up for your kids, maybe even how much you should be investing for their future. We'll get to that in a bit. But first, we wanted to touch on some aspects that you can begin now, like today, where there's no income uh, required, you know, in order to get that ball rolling. Because a lot of a lot of times, in particular, when it comes to investing, your kids need to have that earned income. Or sometimes you're like, man, I have an 18 month old. Like, we're not talking about investing yet. So exactly. wh- where do I start? And, exactly. and investing is a place you got to get to, but it's not the place you start. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so so I, I think when most folks, when most parents in particular, when they think about teaching their kids about money, like they might instinctively think of maybe just the the formal lessons that they can teach, right? Uh, or or maybe they're thinking like there's some kind of like kids and money program that they can sign up for. Uh, but we think that the behavior that you're modeling for your kids and the example that you're setting, that that is even more crucial uh, because the reality is that what you do, well, that means more over time than than what you say. And so, yeah, you want your kids to not only do as you say, but you want them to also do as you do. Yeah. And so one of the things this makes me think of is the tone that you're setting uh, when, when it comes to talking about money. And so, for instance, every time you talk about money, well, if it's a fight in your house, um, I think what you're doing is you're setting the expectation that anytime we talk about money, like this is how it should be talked about. Uh, and so I think it's important to not just discuss what it is that you're talking about, but how it is that you're going about talking about that. Because there's a chance that your kids might completely push back against that. And they're going to say, well, I'm, that's never going to be what it's like when I grow up. Yeah. But at the same time, this is the expectation that you're setting. And I think it can be an uphill battle if you are setting that kind of negative tone, that kind of negative vibe anytime yeah. you talk about money. All right. So one example I think we could give to this, Matt, just in s- some other area of parenting is let's say you enjoy cursing, which is totally fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that. But uh, <laughs> but let's say... Are you talking about me specifically? No, just okay. a general a, a okay, gotcha. theoretical example here. If somebody likes cursing... Just, just love to curse. Yeah, they love it. And then they they hear their kid cursing and they're like, wait a second. No, no, no. You're not allowed to do that. Like this, I, I thought I taught you better than this. Well, the fact is your kids are going to imitate what you do. And so even if they don't do it in front of you because they know it's going to get them in trouble, they're probably going to use that language behind your back with their friends or something like that. So the example we set, like how we behave, our kids are going to imitate that. They're going to respond more to what we do than to what we say. I just, I just think that's ultimately, like that's, that's how they learn how to be in this world. They, they learn how to be based on how we exist. And so mm-hmm. you got to think about that. Um, so, so yeah, your example matters a lot. I, I still remember our conversation, Matt, with JL Collins back in the day. And he basically said he gave more credit 
to his wife for how his daughter turned out, even though he wrote like a best-selling uh, investment book, right? The Simple Path to Wealth that like tens and tens of thousands of people have read. I don't know if, I don't know if it's sold a million copies or not yet, but he wrote this massively successful book, mm-hmm. but he said, no, 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 my wife modeled it day in and day out for our daughter. She deserves the credit. And I think there's a lot of truth to that, that the modeling matters more than the words that are said. Although, the conversations are important too. You got to have those discussions because yeah, even you, you need to have a little bit of both. Because like, let's say even even if you handle your money impeccably well, that's just not quite enough when we're talking about transmitting that knowledge to our kids. Because it just it doesn't happen by osmosis, right? It doesn't just seep in just because we're doing the right thing. It, it kind of does, but it also kind of doesn't. Let's say you have a million dollars in your 401k because you've been a great investor, but you never, ever, ever talk about it with your kids. Well, they don't necessarily know that, so you got to use words too. And so we would say it, it makes sense to have more money talks, but to make them actually a little more mundane. That might sound a little weird to have mundane money talks, but we would say that means chatting normally about purchases at the store, about delayed gratification, how you're saving up for something, but it's going to be another six months till you can get it until you've saved up the cash to buy that thing uh, without having to go into debt for it. Answering questions too in a thoughtful way. Kids have questions about money all the time. Yeah, I think when you say mundane, that doesn't mean boring conversations. It just means like talking about them in a a, day-to-day kind of way where like the emotion is removed from it. Sort of like what I was saying earlier, too like it's it's a desire to teach in the everyday in the ordinary and you know not for these conversations every time you have them to be just charged and loaded with with emotion and monumental you're not going to teach your kid how to invest in like one sit down combo like birds in the bee style chat right it's going to take like short thoughtful combos over an extended period of time and and like that means including your kids in decisions matt i don't know about you sometimes i have a hard time letting my kids do things when i know they're going to make a mess but but ultimately that's in their best interest right whether it's learning they learn yeah learning to scrape their plates and put them in the dishwasher and i'm like oh i guess i'll just do it myself because I do it better than they do. <laughs> but uh, I think the, the, the same thing is true when it comes to including them in money decisions. It's like, well, it's going to be quicker. It's going to be more efficient if I handle it myself. But if you want your kids to be money savvy, you're going you're to want to start including them in those money conversations along the way, even though it's going to maybe draw out the deliberation process. It's going to make it take a little bit longer. Ultimately, it's going to be in their best interest if you kind of start including them in those discussions and if you value their input. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, of course, all kids are going to be different, right? Like you're likely going to have to take a different tact with each one. Uh, Like, for instance, you might have one kid who's a natural saver. And, you know, that might make you so proud, like makes you feel (laughs) really good that they're able to sock away all that money. But they still need to learn how to spend on things that are important to them. And of course, they'll need to, to be taught how to invest as well. Like maybe they're naturally a saver, but they're not willing to put that money at risk by investing it. And we are going to talk about investing here in a little bit. Uh, but it's more than just, the, you know, like that natural proclivity that a kid might have. It's the way that kids learn best uh, that can vary as well. It makes me think like, for instance, is your kid more of a visual learner or uh, an auditory one? Like, can you just have a conversation with them about stuff or is it helpful for them to see things because if that's the case like maybe playing a board game like monopoly like that might help to generate a, a great money discussion if they're able to see i don't you know all their properties lined up and they're, they're holding that play money in their hand and so just keep that in mind because if you're using ineffective methods of teaching your kids it might feel like trying to to, to put a square peg in a round hole yeah for sure yeah the, the method matters you're gonna have to adapt it to each kid you're not gonna be able to just like take the exact same route with with every single let's say you have multiple kids some some people choose to have one that's great but with matt we've got three kids they're all different or you've got four i've got three and and they're all different and so we i have to kind of approach them 
uniquely in those conversations based on their personality and based on kind of their bent when it comes to money. Yeah, and you can't, you can't just, like, honestly, I feel like I've learned so much from reading this, uh, the biography on, on uh, Warren Buffett, but like one of his mistakes, I feel like as a parent, is he just assumed that his kids were going to be just like him. <laughs> and as far as their natural tendency to want to dive into business and to be a self-starter, uh, it took them multiple decades <laughs> to get to that point to where they're making, uh, I think what he would call savvy money and business moves. Uh-huh. Uh, but like, I feel like that would be an instance where he just assumed that they're going to be just like him. And that's just not the case. I think a lot of parents assume that. And then once you, yeah. especially if you have a few, you're like, wait a second, they're all different. And maybe they have little bits and pieces of, of me and Emily, but they also are completely themselves in mm-hmm. so many ways. Yeah. And I don't really expect them to turn out just like me or, or even anywhere close necessarily. Yeah. But before kids can do anything with their money, Matt, they've got to earn some of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's crucial to, to help your kids form a connection between money that comes into their lives and the work that it takes to get it. This is just another one of those massively important lessons that it takes when it comes to fast-tracking your kids to financial success because I don't want my kids thinking that they get money just because they're alive. Just because they breathe doesn't mean they get money in their bank account or that I give them cash uh, straight into their hands when they ask. So yeah, we would say it's important to take some steps to help your kids think of creative ways that they can earn money for things that they end up wanting. You don't have to necessarily help them with like a lemonade stand or a bake sale every single weekend or anything like that. Like that's putting too much pressure on yourself and there's no need to go that hardcore, but you might want to make it like a quarterly goal or something like that to, to help them with ideas that can generate income. And so much of that depends on their age, the older they get, they can probably do this on their own. They don't even need you. Let's say they're 11, 12, 13. There's things that they can do in the neighborhood to make money that don't necessarily have to involve you coming up with the idea and participating with them. Uh, and, and so much depends on their intrinsic desires too. We've done things like selling hot cocoa or we've done art sales where the girls like they, they make their own art and then they put it out for sale at the end of the driveway or just selling old toys. Like, right, are there, are there toys that they've had that they've gotten for holidays over the years and birthdays that they feel like they could part with and they'd rather have the cash than to have these toys that they don't play with anymore. These are all kind of great ways to teach them how to make money, the value of a dollar and stuff like that. But it really, so much of it starts with helping them find ways to earn money and understand that that is the main way that money comes into your life. Totally. Yeah. I think kind of thinking about these things creatively with your kids, it's, it's sort of the gift of entrepreneurship. Right? Yeah. Like the ability for you to impart upon your kids, the knowledge that they could potentially earn money in all, all of these different types of ways. I think that's, that's, an incredible lesson that we can help train our kids in as well. But on, the, on that note, allowances. Let's talk about that because uh, I think a lot of folks, like this this question always comes up <laughs> when we start talking about helping kids to handle their money effectively. And, you know, I, I think allowances can be a good idea. You know, ensuring that your kids have money to, to save, to spend, invest, to, to give money, like that puts the concepts that you're discussing into practice for them. Uh, so, yeah, get, you know, giving your kids a set amount of money each week based on their age, that, that can be smart. But it's also important to, to create a distinction that there are just going to be some chores. There, there are going to be some tasks out there that they have to help with. Just because they're a part of the family, not because uh, it's something that they're going to get paid for. Uh, And so keep that in mind. But it's a fine balance to strike when you are 
um, basically what we're focusing on are the different practices of what you can do with money once you have it in hand. That's what I, know, I feel like an allowance focuses on. But you, you still want to keep them receiving that money very close to the concept of working for that money. Uh, otherwise, I, I think if you use allowances ineffectively, it can have a negative impact, yeah. right? Like making it feel like that money just falls out of thin air. So first tying that money to the work that they're doing and then focusing on those other practices as well. Like, like you know, like I mentioned, spending, yeah. saving, investing, giving. I think it's really important too for parents to set budgets for certain things that they spend money on. And then if their kids want something that's more expensive, say, all right, that's going to come out of your money. So, I mean, my parents did this with me really well when like buying sneakers, something, right. something Remember like Remember your sneakers, yeah. Yep. It's like, like th- listen, there's a money threshold that they're going to spend. If I want the fancier ones, I got to come to the table with my birthday, Christmas, allowance money, whatever that is. And so that made me rethink it and helped me realize the value of the thing that I wanted. And uh, lots of times I took the cheaper item <laughs> that my parents would fully subsidize. And on occasion, I would pony up the extra dough to get the exact item that I really wanted. So much dependent on like how much money I had and how valuable that thing actually was. But, but not those Scotty Pippins. <laughs> those Scotty Pippins I did get. Oh, you did? I did. You did. Get the... That was like the one fancy pair of shoes. Okay, I got, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, and they were awesome. But they're, they were worth it. They were worth it. That was your craft beer equivalent. I still, I still remember those things at age twelve. <laughs> Basketball shoes kind of were my <laughs> my craft beer equivalent at that point. But those are the kind of uh, discussions I think that are really fruitful. Is saying like, listen, we've only got this much money to allocate towards a school book bag or whatever it is and yeah, it introduces the idea of scarcity yeah right? like the the fact that there is only so much money or so or at least only so much money that we're willing to spend right because yeah. that's the other thing as well is it's not to put this fear that we're going to run out of money like before your kids and some with some families that might definitely be the case but in other cases you, you probably have plenty of money that you could buy an extra pair of shoes sure. or a different jacket or something like that that your kid might but it's about being honest and saying well this is how much we're willing to spend beyond yeah. that that's on you and by the way since we're talking about earning we're talking about allowances let's talk about like especially as kids get older I think it's important to mention high school jobs here because uh, we think of those as being a really good thing and that a lot of kids should probably be working at that point in time. And the the reality, Matt, when you look at the numbers is that fewer kids are actually doing this. Something close to 20% fewer young folks are working in high school than was the norm decades ago. Yeah. I think some folks would say, you've got the whole rest of your life to work. Why would you want to get started when you're 15? Don't, don't ruin his childhood. Right, exactly. Let him be a kid. I mean, I, I guess I get that response. Like, it makes sense to me. But I would say, I would retort, I would say there's there's like a host of skills, like time management, working with a team, personal responsibility, learning to like look an adult in the eyes, <laughs> those kinds of things that a kid is able to learn if they have a real after school job that they might not be able to learn in the same way, at least at home. The, the, I would say the most important benefits that you get of working at that age, they go just way beyond making money. It's not about the $5.15 an hour, Matt, that I made when I was 14 working at the fast food restaurant across from across from my school, but it's about all those other intangible benefits that served me that like I had to learn at an earlier age. And I feel like they paid massive dividends moving forward when I like went into an actual career. Yeah. It's not like you set yourself up for success with, uh, your minimum wage <laughs> right. job. It's not right. about the, it's less about the money. Right. No, I wasn't that even really life. investing that money. It's, it barely helped me buy like the cheapest car possible. It's not one of those things. The car maybe covered your gas. It was literally an $1,800 Toyota Corolla or whatever, but it's, uh, or no, it was a Camry. They just were the size of Corollas back then. Yeah. But th- those are the kind of things that like, it's, it's not about the money. It's about all those other things I That's learned. Right. Showing up on time, getting the job done, doing stuff I didn't like, like squeezing lemons. That was the worst. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, so earning money, that is the first step, right? But let's talk about what you do after that. 
and hopefully that includes saving a good portion of that earned income. Uh, one great tactic to incentivize your kids' savings uh, is by paying what we would call an astronomically high interest rate, <laughs> uh, which is a great way to help them to understand that their money, that it can make money, even if it's just sitting around. That is exactly what we did with uh, our oldest daughter. We were sitting down and I was paying her 2% weekly <laughs> in order for her to, to understand uh, that this was something that she could do that would actually move the needle. Because I remember when I was a kid uh, going to the bank and dad and I, we, we opened a savings account. I don't know what rate that they were, they, were, they were paying, but I was only earning like pennies. And I just remember even at the time thinking, I don't think this is like teaching me the lesson you think it's teaching because <laughs> I had like zero desire to, to, to continue to save more money. Uh, but finding a way to help those lessons to sink in and then help your kids as well to consider what it is that they're saving for. I think that can be helpful as well. Again, with, with our oldest, she's a really content child uh, and there's not, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot that she wants. And so I've kind of been surprised at the fact that uh, we're having to, I'm, I'm trying to like prod her a little bit and be like, Hey, you know, this is something you could potentially get kind of like dangling some of these carrots in front of her in order for her to be more ambitious. It's good overall. I think it's a good thing that she's uh, content, but when it comes to being like an aggressive saver, it's not necessarily stoking the fire, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, you know, all savings eventually become expenses as well. Cause what is, what is it that you're saving up for? Well, it's to typically spend money. And so I think part of this is helping your kids to consider some of these different spending decisions so that, you know, they don't end up buying things on a whim uh, that they're going to later regret. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I mentioned uh, a couple months ago, taking my oldest nine-year-old to, to Costco and she wanted this like squishy mellow uh, pillow thing. And I think it was $18. I don't mm -hmm. remember, but it was a spur of the moment. And so we said, no, she, she had zero desire to have that until she saw she it. She had never talked about yeah. getting one of these before. <laughs> I think she already had one. Like it's kind of ridiculous. Like she's got so many stuffed animals. It's hard for me to be like, great. Yeah. Let's spend money on this, but it's her money. So she gets to choose those things, but we have a 48 hour rule. And so I was like, listen, if you really want this two days from now, I will bring you back here and we will get this squishy mellow mm -hmm. and it's all yours. Like spend your money on it, but let's make thoughtful purchasing decisions. And so two days later she remembered it and she wanted it. I was assuming she was going to completely forget about it, but no, she was like, no, it piqued my interest. This is the thing I want to spend my money on. And I think it's okay then oh, nice. I took her back and we got it. But sometimes uh, teaching your kids money about how to use money effectively, it's going to take a little more from you because <laughs> then I had to drive back and, and actually let her get, get the item that she wanted. But it's, well, that's, it, that's what it takes though. It takes yeah. patience and time. And I think oftentimes we're not willing to give it that kind of time, that's right. you know, like that's the, like I was thinking about when we were talking about the ability for kids to learn things because their minds are more malleable. I was, I was reading some up on that. And oftentimes it's because kids are willing to explore and exploring takes time. And as adults, we, I mean, we oftentimes have so many different responsibilities and tasks that we have to get done. We don't explore. We yeah. just immediately jump to conclusions. We make our decision and essentially we're kind of closing off our mind uh, from the ability to making some of these new connections. Yeah. It does take just a little bit more time. Time. And, you know, another aspect, I, I think, as you're teaching your kids about money is just to keep in mind who you surround yourself with, like specifically who your kids are friends with, as this will either have a, a positive or a negative impact on their understanding of, of some of these lessons. So, for instance, it's going to be harder to make that connection between working really hard and earning that money 
if their friends are getting everything handed to them on a, on a silver platter. Uh, and so this might not, you know, be something that you discuss with them directly, but it's just something to keep in mind as it, you know, I think it'll tint how they see everything, not just in how they earn money, but then also how they spend money yeah. because, they, you know, Selma might see some of her friends with those and they're like, well, they, they get those all the time. It's sort of the, like the song that's just kind of playing in the background. Um, it's, 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 it's the water that we live in. Yeah. And oftentimes we're not even aware it of, colors of what that water their is. Their desires or what they think is normal or acceptable. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's, to a certain extent you don't have you don't have full control over this you don't have full control over who they're going to be friends with and they're going to experience things so part of that is how you talk about it when they do like the other day I think I mentioned it again I, I don't know if I talked about this on the show but someone was like I want an Apple watch and we're like what are you what are you talking about that's crazy those are really expensive um, but we, we're not an Apple family anymore <laughs> well and like I, Emily has this like fake smartwatch that costs 20, 20 bucks on Amazon and she's like mom you've got one and, and Emily's like I, no I don't I've got a fake $20 one that, that you know <laughs> that, that just tracks a couple of basic things and so having those conversations be like one well, just because one of your friends has one doesn't mean that everybody's got it. And two, d- just because even if all your friends had it, that doesn't mean that's what our family does. And you exactly. have to have those family values and have the ability to have those discussions, even when their friends are living life in a different way financially. There's a family culture you're trying to establish, and that's that's important. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot. Of, so you said that like you don't always have control over like who your kids become friends with, and that's totally true. But we do have control over the environments, in like generally speaking, that we, that we even place like them in the neighborhood that you live in. Yeah, the right? neighborhood. And even just like how we approach consumption, right? Like if you are always at the at the store and that's maybe how, you know, mommy or daddy, how they like to relieve a little bit of stress. Yeah. You can maybe go to the store, you buy something new. Uh, that all of these things, I mean, this goes back to the example that you're setting for your kids. But if you are surrounding them with consumption, well, chances are that's going to be something that they, they tend to revert to. For sure. But uh, yeah, you know, like a lot of these lessons can begin at a really young age before they're earning an income. But once they do have a job, once your kid does have an earned income, they can start investing for their future. Uh, And so we're going to talk about teaching your kids to invest, which accounts are best for them, plus thinking about college costs as well. We'll get to all of that right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to kachava.com. 
dot com slash how to money. That's spelled K A C H A V A and get ten percent off your first order. That's K A C H A V A dot com slash how to money. Joel, so we were just recounting our trip to Scotland. This is the trip that we took this time last year, actually, with some of our friends over the weekend. And one of the highlights from Edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop. Mm-hmm. They were fresh out of the oven. They had that perfectly flaky crust. But guess what? That serendipitous experience would never have happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel. We had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town, thanks to Airbnb. Ah, oh, Matt, I'm still dreaming about those meat pies. You're making, my, <laughs> you're making me drool. And while turning to Airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel, it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money. Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, Matt, let's keep going. We want our kids to be to be money savvy. We want our kids to be able to handle money well. We want them to be confident in their abilities to use the tool that is money to help them throughout life. We want our kids, we want every how to money listener want their kids to be confident with money too and again it's something that doesn't get taught it's on us to be able to make sure that they have that ability but let's talk about how to invest because that is one of those things like getting your kids started the earlier the better (laughs) right on the investing front but this isn't typically something that you're going to be covering uh, with them when they're in grade school this is maybe like slightly more advanced and they also don't typically have the money to get started investing. Some of these concepts I've talked about with my fourth grader at this point, because like when we talked about investing and we're going to talk about 529 plans and saving for college in a second. But she, when she asked me whether or not I was saving for her college, I was like, yeah, a little bit. I am saving a little bit, and here's how it works. And it's actually, I'm actually investing for your college. It was a perfect chance to talk to her about investing and how it works. But uh, yeah, you're, you're really the, one of the things you're going to want to focus on, I think, before you get to the mechanics of the accounts and stuff like that, is you want to talk about maybe how amazing compounding returns can be. Because to me, that's the thing that can hold somebody's imagination. Because it is a pretty impressive concept. And the better you can paint that picture, the more it can, can help connect the dots, I think, for mm-hmm. your child to understand what you're doing when you're investing. And and then also to be able to talk about 
how you yourself are investing. Like one of those, one of those convos where, uh, like how you're directing your dollars and why. But I think the older they get, the easier it becomes to cover that ground intellectually. Uh, but it also gets easier to help them then funnel money into an account, start tracking their progress, uh, and then helping them get excited about growing that money for their future. That's so true, man. Yeah, so let's talk about which accounts are best for kids to start investing in. And this may not come as a surprise to, to most folks out there, but our favorite, of course, is the Roth IRA. Uh, this account can help kids to start investing super early. But the thing is, they have to have an earned income in order to be able to sock away money into this account. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they've got a legit job at like a fast food restaurant where, you know, at the age of eight or something like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's illegal. I think it's illegal, yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe nationwide, probably but, nationwide. But mowing lawns, uh, babysitting, like that counts as earned income as well. Uh, working as a pool boy, like that's like as a 12 year old, that's something, uh, one of the cr- ways I got creative working in the neighborhood is taking care of people's pools, testing the water. I got really good at making sure that pH, man, we nailed it. Like I added <laughs> those droplets of dye or I don't know what was in it, but the I made the solution, matched the color, and that told me how many additional chlorine sticks they needed. But you take that earned income uh, and then you're then able to start putting some of that money within a Roth IRA account. Uh, but the max that they can sock away into these accounts is $6,000 for, for this year, $6,500 for next year. But they're also capped at their earned income level, right? And so let's let's say they, they only make 1800 bucks. Well, that's now their ceiling of what they can contribute to that account. So you got to keep that in mind as well. But there are many reasons that we love the Roth IRA. For one, it's it's super flexible, right? If your kid wants to, to tap some of those funds to say, like buy a house in their 20s, that's something that they can totally do. Uh, but it's also the best from a tax perspective. They'll be sheltering decades worth of returns from taxation going this route while they are most certainly going to be uh, at the lowest tax bracket they'll ever be in their lives, yes. <laughs> in their entire lifetime. It's never going to get better than that. Exactly. So yeah, this is a perfect time if they have earned income to get started on that Roth. And the cool thing is you can actually help them make that happen, not just by like literally taking them to the website, helping them fill out the information and starting that custodial Roth. But one other thing we want parents to consider is if you have the financial ability, and that's not everyone, but is to make a matching contribution when your kiddo opts to prioritize their future by sticking money in that Roth. Let's mm-hmm. say they're like foregoing the now in favor of the future because you have talked with them about investing. That's great and it's worth celebrating. But let's say they do make something like $6,000 in a given year. We would say that you should offer, if you can, again, to stick $3,000 of your own money into their retirement account if they opt to invest 3000 bucks of their own money. And this does a couple of things. I think you know it helps them understand that they're going to likely have other matching options in their working career. None of them are going to be as generous as the one that you're giving them, but it helps them realize, okay, cool, this is actually kind of part of the mechanism of investing. Employers often contribute, uh, sometimes dollar for dollar, based on what you contribute and helps to get them ready for that. But it also makes it far more likely that they're going to be excited to do it because who doesn't get excited about free money? And so yeah. uh, if you're like, hey, you should totally do this, And guess what? Not only should you do it, but I'm going to help incentivize you to do it. It's going to create some excitement around the process, which is good. That's what you want. Like you want your kid to be to get to be pumped about investing for their future. And it's kind of hard to do that. But free money is one of the ways I think that you you can actually do that. And then you can kind of track the progress together, Mm -hmm. Uh, download the app on their phone so they can log in, not Robinhood, hopefully, so they can like day trade. (laughs) But, you know, where they can see the progress of their accounts over time. And, And then you guys can have, you know, regular, I don't know, monthly or quarterly discussions about kind of 
what's going on with their account and and how much they're investing and stuff like that. Yeah, I, th- I think one of the reasons matching can be just uh, an exciting thing for kids as well is because let's say a kid earns six thousand dollars. Well, they're not going to want to put every single dollar into that Roth IRA, right. like where they've got no spending money. It's like, all right, cool. I made $6,000 of the summer. And you're like, all right, why don't you go ahead and slide all of that money over into that <laughs> new Roth IRA. That's going to be really discouraging yeah. uh, when it comes to the ability to kind of realize some of those tangible benefits of having worked that job in the sure. here and now. Right? Like it makes me think about a craft beer equivalent. Like you want to be smart for the long term, but simultaneously you want to make life enjoyable in the here and now as well. And Um, you want to help your kids know how to do that too. Strike the balance. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of helping your kids, you can help them to build a solid credit score as well. That's something that we would encourage you to do. It's something to be attentive to. And so you can do this by making sure that your, your child is an authorized user on your credit card uh, that can help you to achieve that. Uh, but only do this if you if you pay off that card on time and in full every single month at the end of every billing cycle at the very least. Uh, if not, you could actually be hurting your kid's fledgling credit file. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing, you don't actually give them access to your card. And so by adding them uh, as an authorized user, they get all the benefits of having that credit to their name without any of the headache to you if you were to have a kid with a credit card. But by doing this, the credit bureaus, they start to build this file on each kid that you that you do this for. And you're building a solid credit history for them before they've even had the ability to even get their own credit card. This is a highly underrated, I think, tip for a lot of folks out yeah. there and, and something that could totally give your kids a, a leg up. For sure. Agreed. Yeah. Building that credit file now, getting them started in the right direction, having an actual credit score, a decent credit score when they graduate high school. That's pretty cool. And that's something you can do pretty easily. Uh, again, like Matt said, though, as long as you're handling your own credit well, that's the only time you want to do that because you don't want to set your kid up for with having a, b- a bad credit score when, when they graduate. But on the credit note, Matt, it's, it's also important that our listeners help their kids protect their credit. Oh, yeah. And that means that you should be freezing their credit. That's right. But here's the thing. You might not even be taking this step for yourself. <laughs> and so it's important to do that also. Uh, so yeah, fr- freeze your own credit, right? We want you to do that. We've actually got an article on our website that we'll link to uh, that includes the links to the credit bureaus in order to get this done. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, it's a little bit different process for minors than it is for fully grown adults. And so uh, the reality is it's not going to take very long, but you, this article is going to basically hold your hand and help you get your credit frozen, get your kids' credit frozen, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes to freeze everyone in your family's credit. And basically what this does is it's just preventing someone from opening up credit in your name or in your kiddo's name. And so we want to make sure that you get this done because not only are you trying to help them build a solid credit score for their future, you want to make sure that nobody is going to be able to hijack their credit That's right. in order to do like nefarious things with it. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about college for a second. Uh, we've, we've done entire episodes on college and specifically how we think it's overrated. I think that was uh, <laughs> episode 548. We would recommend you go listen to that one if that sounds interesting to you. But the value of a college degree, it it certainly can be massive for a lot of folks. Uh, Degrees are also not as valuable as they used to be as well. And so the key then is to talk with your kids about the value proposition of higher education. Uh, you want to look at the costs. You want to you look at what that will get you, um, what you think that might be able to earn you down the road. You've got to have a degree, of course, to become like a lawyer or, or a doctor. Uh, it's going to be helpful for other jobs out there as well. But Engineer, it's also, stuff like that. Yeah, but it's not completely necessary, right, for a lot of other careers that, uh, that your kids might want to embark on. And so the key to making college worth it is by keeping costs low. And to help your kid make this important decision, it's important to have these conversations over 
the years, uh, not just, you know, after they've had 10 years of percolating thoughts in their head as to, you know, what higher education and what college might look like for them. You don't want them to get 17 years of thinking one thing uh, in their mind. And then all of a sudden at year 17, you're like, oh, by the way, this is what we're thinking. Yeah. You don't want the acceptance letters coming in the mail and you basically being like, nope, too expensive. Nope, too expensive. You don't want it to be a surprise. That's the wrong way to handle it. But you've got a bunch of years to kind of talk about that and to kind of start helping your child think forward about that process and and think about a budget for that as well so they make a decision that's reasonable for the family finances and reasonable for their future that they're not getting saddled with a bunch of debt because you want to prevent that as well like we see the horror stories right and left matt of kids being just graduating with a ridiculous amount of debt not being able to find a job in the career field that they've chosen and it's tough sledding right having a a loan payment that's the size of a mortgage payment and not having the income to back it up that's what we want your kids to avoid if you want your kid to be set up for financial uh, success that might mean going to college but it definitely means avoiding a ton of student debt in the process and and that's why we don't recommend saving for college in a 529 account as a must do for most folks that's is an important thing to mention as well like it's it's already true that there are easier ways to pay for college than for your own retirement right they don't make scholarships sadly for 65 year old retirees if they did that would be awesome but your child might qualify for scholarships for different ways they could do work study like there are all sorts of of different ways to help pay for the costs of college and so it's more important for you to prioritize your own funding your own retirement accounts than it is to fund their college savings account. And at the same time, we'd rather see uh, most folks spending more money on killer experiences for their children, like stuff like art classes and sports and going to sporting events or educational trips. Maybe it's a family trip to Washington, D.C. to see all the Smithsonian, something like that. Which are all free, by the way. They're all free. (laughs) And uh, the plane ticket or the car ride is going to cost you money. So is the hotel. But that's a really cool kind of thing. Like that, that to me means more than saving up more in a 529 account to reduce the cost of college when there are so many other ways to help pay for it and so many other thoughtful approaches you can take to reducing the cost and there are certainly like tax advantages to investing with a fi- within a 529 but there are a lot of folks who should avoid them at least until they're maxing out their own retirement accounts yeah. first man i'm not sure if uh, if our listeners saw the most recent stats from the brookings institution but they say that it's going to cost three hundred ten thousand dollars to raise a kid and this is before college as well <laughs> yeah this is a lot of money you know although we, we do think that you can probably get by uh with less by spending less money uh, but here's the rub we are often so focused on giving our kids the best stuff, right? Like we want them to, to have more than we had. We want them to, for their childhood to maybe be better than what we experienced. And that's completely understandable. But I think we can take that instinct too far. And instead of working with them to provide some financial literacy in their lives, uh, like a meaningful personal finance education will go so much further then brand new gadgets, right? Rather than some new sneakers like your, like your Scotties, Joel. They were, uh, they were worth it. But I paid for the extra, man. <laughs> you paid yeah. for them. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but I mean, the reality is that if your kid is confident about how to handle money, they're going to be light years ahead of their peers. Um, and that confidence then will radiate, I think, outwards into other areas of their lives as well. It's like the superpower that will, uh, it'll stick with them for decades to come. And it's something that you're going to be able to start instilling in them, even now at the yeah. very early age. Like they, they might like barely even know 
know how to talk <laughs> or to, to even listen to what you're saying. But I, I, I promise all of these lessons, the example that you're setting, the tone that you're setting within your household, anytime you talk about money, all of these aspects, all of these lessons are working to get your kids on that fast track to financial success. Yeah. And it really is an amalgamation of a lot of small things over an extended period of time, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, there, there's no like magic bullet. There's no there, silver there's bullet. N- there's no any, special yeah. potion or anything, uh, <laughs> but we barely c- sort of touched on it, but it takes patience, you know, and it takes a willingness from a parent to be able to pour into their kids mm-hmm. uh, and to be able to find those opportunities to teach them in the everyday moments. Yeah. And oftentimes we just want to like, yeah, again, just sign Offer. them up for sign them up for some, some sort of program and for life to be easy for us. Like you said, we want to optimize everything. And that often means not having those conversations that are necessary yep. to teach the next generation how to do the right thing for their future and, and with their money. But exactly. let's get back to the beer, Matt. This one was do uh, it. an Oktoberfest from Odd Story, which is out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. What were your thoughts on this beer? It was really tasty, man. So an Oktoberfest, so that meant that this is a Marzen. So it's just a, it's a darker lager. And in particular, if you are new to the craft beer scene, I would totally recommend that you look up either an Oktoberfest or Marzen because it's going to have some of these bready elements that I think you might be drawn to. Uh, oftentimes when folks are trying to get into craft beer and they're, they start off with like some of these crazy IPAs and they're just like, oh man, it's just way too bitter. I, I cannot handle that. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, no, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> like an IPA, that, that is an acquired taste. By the way, is it even legal to drink an Oktoberfest in November? But uh, I don't know. <laughs> We're doing it anyway. You're allowed to. We're breaking the craft beer laws sure. today. Did you dig this one? Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was, yeah, malty. It had like some toasted notes, like a little bit of a caramel vibe. Mm-hmm. It's a nice little dry finish. And Oktoberfest are not, I like it when they come around every year. I don't drink a whole lot of them. They're not a, like a go-to style. They're usually like, they're a little bit reserved for me mm-hmm. in, in their flavors. But, but they always fit the season. Yeah, they, they do. They always remind me of the Christmas to fall. Dry, crackly leaves yes, on the ground. Exactly. No, it, it fits. Like I was glad kinda, to have this oh, one today. I never yeah. thought about that. They kind of taste the way that leaves smell. Yeah. You know, like you kind of like walking if you're hiking in the woods or walking along the sidewalk and there's a bunch of dry leaves and you can kind the sun's kind of beating down on them and you can smell them. Marzen kind of reminds me of that. There you go. All right. I like it. A perfect, perfect beer for today. All right. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. For folks who want the show notes, you can find those up on our website at howtomoney.com. That's right. But buddy, that's going to be it. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.